Hey, welcome to the Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Hudock, where we have fun talking about the phenomenal and the fascinating. From angels to energy healing, from mystical places to mystical teachings, this is a place where we nerd out on the science of the soul. Today, I am here with Dr. Ingrid Honkala, and she is a scientist. She's an author. She wrote the book, A Brightly Guided Life, How a Scientist Learned to Hear Her Inner Wisdom. She's also a native of Colombia, and her life, I would say, has had many challenges, uh, coupled with very deep spiritual experiences, which we will talk about, starting with her drowning uh, when she was nearly three years old returning back and to share not only that experience, but all that was brought forth from that starting off point, this deeper reality that she shares with the world. She is truly a light bearer and uh, I'm so grateful to have you today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here, Diane. I am so blessed, so honored. Oh, it's such a pleasure. And I loved your book. It's so, um, it's so heartfelt and it's so personal and it's so humble and simple. And we'll talk about that, which we call the simplicity of spirit for in the simplicity, there is great profundity. And um, we'll definitely go into that. Let's start off for the people that don't know who you are. And again, I know you, of course, have told your experience a hundred, hundreds of times having a near-death experience when you were nearly three. But I, I attribute it to like something like yoga. Uh, we've both been doing yoga for a long time and doing a yoga pose, say, thousands of times. But each time we come upon the mat, there's something new and perhaps there's a new sense of Um, freshness and awareness and even expansion in just coming upon that which is so familiar. So perhaps now you could share this NDE experience, your starting off point in your spiritual life in this lifetime (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and, and share what that was like and maybe any new awarenesses that came forward to you now, some many, many decades later, based on that event. Yes, yes. This is this was what actually at for this lifetime, or what I call the parentheses <laughs> of this existence as Ingrid, opened for me the path of awareness. And it happened when, yeah, I was really, really young. I was close to three years old when I fell into a tank filled with frigid water and I drowned. So at the time I I was in Colombia, grew up with my parents and my sisters, and we were um, left at the care of a maid. And she really didn't pay much attention to us when my parents were not around, they had to work and they would leave early. And early that one morning they left the lady that's supposed to be taking care of us just went to her room and my oldest sister and I looked at each other and I'm like, oh, let's go play. 
she was close to four and, and we went to this patio and we saw a ball and decided let's play cash across the tank. This was a really big tank and the purpose of this tank was collecting wa water for hand washing clothes. So next to the tank, there was a flat surface for scrubbing. My oldest sister, who was close to four, climbed the, the tank and sat there. I went to the other side and I was leaning precariously in this tank, but hey, I was just having fun. I was thinking about any danger. She threw the ball, didn't apply enough force, and the ball fell on the water. It was floating and I leaned forward to try to grab it. And the moment I touched the ball, it rolled and I fell into the tank. Mm. The first feeling was the sense of this water being frigid cold. Because um, most people think that because I come from Colombia, I come from hot weather country. Right. But Bogota is located high up in the Andes. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so the temperature in this tank was probably about 30, 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. So when I, the first thing was that sense of this water being frigid cold. And the next sense was why I cannot breathe. I had never been in underwater or we didn't have a bathtub at home. So I, I didn't know that if you had your head underwater, you cannot breathe. So imagine the shock at that moment. One, this, like I mentioned, this water being so cold and two, not being able to breathe. I enter into the state of absolute panic. Mm -hmm. It was just horror. And I could see my, my, my sister, I could hear her. She was trying to get me out of the water and she was too little. There was nothing she could do. And I just sank. And this tank held about 900 gallons of water. Just to <laughs> give you the dimension, this was, a, this was pretty deep. It was a it, lot of water. Yes. So it was the moment, Diane, when I went from that a state of absolute terror in just a flash to one of complete peace. Mm. At that moment, I didn't know what happened, but it was the sense of like, wow, there was no need to fight. There was no need to go anywhere. There was no need to breathe. Just the sense of, oh, this feels absolutely good and this is when i always like to bring the, the contrast that this experience presented right there there was this is every the symbology in everything that happened and everything this this has to offer was so incredible because even the fact that this space the tank was was made entirely of cement it was a very dark space there was a roof, it was early in the morning. So the last thing I saw when I was in the town with my eyes open was the darkness mm. of the space. And right when I went into that state of absolute, just peace, quiet, calm, serenity, a light came from below. And this light was able to just illuminate the whole water surrounding it. It was soft. It was like the light of a candle. And now I'm like, whoa, there's light. And then the next incredible, amazing, shocking contrast was that 
right before I drowned, I could hear my heart. Imagine the anxiety of drowning, like pounding in my chest, pounding in my head like a drum. Mm. Boom, boom, boom. It was this noise. And also, if we talk about noise, I, I lived in a house that was very noisy. We had birds, we had a dog, I, we had cousins, I had my sisters. So it's, it was always the sense of noise. Mm. And now hearing my, my heart bumping like that, my sister is screaming at the surface when <sighs> silence. Wow. And Diane, this is what I call the silence behind the silence. Mm. Because it was the cessation of all noise. I'm not just talking sound. It was body. It was um, thought. It was uh, emotions. It was everything. It was that space of just absolute serenity. And I craved that silence for the rest of my life. Mm. And I would hide in closets. I would go into chapels. I would anywhere I could to experience that silence again. So I am now in this state of absolute well-being. And I started to see bubbles. And these bubbles were like suspended in the water. And it was by chasing these bubbles. The bubbles were surrounded by light. So imagine at that moment, I'm like... In this state of also, like, this is so much fun. <laughs> it's wonderful for you. <laughs> yes, and I started to chase these bubbles. And that's when I turned around and I saw a body suspended in the water. And that was incredible because I saw the face. Remember, I, I love one of the, uh, of just the teachings of, of the yogis that says, when you have ever had the possibility to see your own face, we, and unless we look at it in the mirror, we never see really our own face. And I, it's when I saw my face and I realized that that was my body and that that was Ingrid's body. And I didn't feel any sense of surprise or fear. It was like, oh, that's me. And the, the eyes were open and, and it was just, I could never forget the, the facial expression of like somewhere that had drowned. Yeah. And I just looked at it and, and it was the sense of familiarity, the sense of like, oh, this already happened many other times, leaving your body and being able to leave it behind. And then at that moment, another incredible contrast happened. Um, and is that, or, or was revealed to me through time, it, it was showing me how I was born as a very sick child. And I spent the first almost three years of my life being very unwell. And it's when sometimes we wonder why a child will be born so ill. Why is this for? Why this has to happen? And for me, my own experience, and at that moment was to show me that contrast. I was experiencing so much well-being that, of course, when I saw that body, I'm like, oh, I'm not going back there. Of course not. Right. And then I looked at the body. And the other amazing thing is having 
the awareness of being able to make that decision and knowing that I could turn around and leave that body behind. Mm-hmm. And I just did that. And the moment I turned around and I started to see flowers that were blooming from nowhere. And the sense of dimension disappeared and I was picked up by the flowers. And now I'm being carried by these flowers. And again, now it was a, a, a new amazing state in which to give an analogy, it was like going back to the womb where you don't have to do absolutely anything. You're being done. Mm. And I'm just being carried again, no need to, no desire, no need to go anywhere, no expectation, just being. And when I am in these flowers there is when what is like incredible about this whole experience, the, the validation of it happened. And is that first I appear in just a bling like that. I appear in the maid's room. And then I'm floating above her bed, like looking at her from the ceiling. And I'm like, oh, that's Maria. Mm. <laughs> and this experience Diane is so, so, so clear in my mind that I even remember the soap opera she was listening in the radio Mm. and had the realization, oh, Maria doesn't even know what is happening to me. (laughs) And then since nothing happened from there again, in just a flash, I appear in my mom's path. And my mom was in, like I mentioned, she left early. She didn't have a car. She was on her way to... Her bus stopped. She had to cross this entire neighborhood. She was very close to reach her destination. Her bus stopped when I appeared there. And I said, oh, that's mom. And the very moment I said this, my mom stopped. Mm. Didn't hesitate. Didn't give another step. And... I always mention to, to people that my mom had like this incredible intuition. But this is the other thing that I say is not just about having good intuition, but learning to listen to your intuition. Yes. And that's one thing that my mom always did. And she at that moment turned around and started to run. It's like she knew at that moment something is happening at home with one of my babies. And she ran back. And I looked at her and I'm like, oh, but at that moment, I saw a dog at the end of the street. And I loved adore animals. So the moment I saw the dog, I wanted to be with the dog. And guess what? Boop, I was with the dog. (gasps) What is going on? So this is fun. So I saw a park. And the other direction. And the moment I saw the part, I was at the part. Every desire I had, it's like I would be there. There was at this moment, the sense of, of time and a space had completely changed for me. It was, it was um, everything happened just simultaneously. Like I all, only had to think about it and I was there. So now I was having fun playing this game of going places. Mm-hmm. So it was like, wow, this is so much fun. 
And again, from there, in just a second, I appeared in a realm. And this realm was made of pure, bright, intense, shiny light. And this was incredibly in my almost three years of life that I felt, oh gosh, I am back home. Mm. And again, that sense of familiarity, that's why you call it home, because it was the sense, oh, I'm just coming back home. And I put the example, the analogy, like if I had left in the morning and I was back in the afternoon after school, so, so like not even three years had passed. So again, all that sense of time had disappeared. Yes. And now I am again feeling the sense like, oh, this was amazing. I felt welcome. At that moment, I didn't see anybody. But it's like if you arrive home and you know that your mom or your parents or your child is in other rooms in the house, you, you have the sense of, of home, of welcoming. And that's how I felt. And this is really interesting because... Although I saw my body suspended in the water, and it's when I know that through that time I was still in my state of, let's call it mind, what, what was Ingrid's mind, because I was having all these experiences. And I reached this moment when I'm there and I realized I am not that. Mm-hmm. I am not, see, although I saw the body up to this point, I didn't have the realization I'm not that persona. I'm not that. And at this moment is when I realize myself as a being of light. And then it went even farther because up to that point, I was still having a sense of self, what I would call self with little s. <laughs> Yeah, that, that even that sense of self disappear. And it, it's when I experience what I call, some will call it emptiness, I call that nothingness. And when people ask me what nothing means, I said the moment I say something, then now it becomes something. So I cannot tell you what is. I only can tell you what is not. <laughs> right. So it also is what I will describe as a sense of non-self. It was the sense of like, oh, just absolute spaciousness. So when I, I call it nothingness, at the same time, it was the sense of absoluteness or the sense of wholeness. So nothing else was needed. Mm-hmm. So it, it was incredible. And, and at this point is when I experienced what I call pure consciousness and, and a state of absolute presence. So it's just, it's indescribable, really. <laughs> I imagine it's really challenging as I've talked to a lot of people that have had near-death experiences and they all come up against this struggle with trying to find the words that even, even give it some semblance, a credence of, of um, depth of the truth of their experience. It's like they cannot color it enough with the um, 
limited verbiage that we have here on planet earth. (laughs) Everyone Mm -hmm. comes up against that sort of challenge because it's so even beyond the words. And I would even say your experience, what I'm hearing is it's even beyond the essence. You know, we talk about find your essence, your essence is love. Well, yes, but then what you're describing to me is even beyond that, which we would call or label or even limit ourselves as a thing or an essence. It's like we're an essence so that we can then access that nothingness or that presence that we may or may not call God because God's even beyond essence. Yes. Yes. That's why when people ask me like, oh, oh, they said to me, why you didn't mention that in your experience that were love or God. I said, I was too little to really know these words. And Mm -hmm. I'm glad I didn't know them because I went beyond condition and experienced the purity of it. Right. Right. Yes. Uh, Your sharing with your mom, I find really poignant for a couple of reasons. The main point is that your mother's experience to me of you sort of traveling in the quantum, we'll just call it that for lack of a better description, not relegated by time or space or the limited physical conditions or um, physics, I should say, of planet Earth, where you can just think or not even think, you just have a thought and it just takes you there in less than a millisecond, right? And your experience you talk about with your mother, where she has that hit to turn and run and that knowing, it, it really touches me, not just as a mother, um, because I've had experiences with my son, who's now 11, when he was younger, where I sensed he was going to be hit by a car twice in two very separate occasions. Um, And I turned right in the nick of time and ran out to the street to grab him. It's a long story. Um, People say, what are you doing with a toddler letting him roam? It wasn't quite like that. But, you know, he's holding your hand one minute. The next minute he's running out from a restaurant and he's in the middle of a street and you get that hit. What I'm, the point I'm trying to make is that experience with your mother, to me, reminds me of this, I'll call it a fact, that we are all connected. And to me, it's evidence of how we are all connected in a very supernatural way. Yes, and I'm so glad you're bringing all this up because later in life, when I ask the beings of light, when I learn to ask the right questions, <laughs> because the beings of light say, learn to ask the right questions and you will get the right answers. <laughs> right. Later in life, when I ask, what was my near-death experience for? Is when the beings of light said to me, to bring the message of the power of connection. Mm. Just what you are talking about. They said to me, and I said, how come? Yeah, because sometimes we cannot see it. And it's like we, we've been talking from the beginning. It's so simple. And 
is so simple that we cannot see it. Because <laughs> right. we tend to complicate things and try to see things in, in, in a very intricate way when it's more simple than we imagine. Absolutely. And they said, yeah, remember when you saw your body and you turn around and left it behind? Yes, remember. They said, okay, that was not the plan. <laughs> That's why I said at that moment, I was in my ego state of mind because what my ego would say, I don't want to feel like that. No, thank you. I'm just thinking about what it feels good for me. But there was a plan <laughs> that the universe has that went beyond the needs of my ego. And because of that plan, I make the higher self decision to go look for the maid and to go look for my mom. Right. Because the plan was that I was coming back. So in reality, I was looking for help. Mm. But then I said, okay, so if I was looking for help, why did I stop in the maid's room? Why did I waste time? And they said, that's the place where you have to pay attention. That was to show you contrast. And I said, how come? And they said, look, when you went to see the maid or, or to communicate with the maid, what happened? Because there was no connection. She did not even realize what was happening to you. There oh, was wow. nothing bonding you. Wow. What happened when you went to meet your mom? Absolute connection what we call love the space between the glue that holds the universe together so that love doesn't have boundaries doesn't have limitations doesn't have um a spirit realm physical realm quantum is one so at that moment of course my mom felt me follow her intuition and came and saved me and they said look the person that was farthest away was the one that saved you and the one that was only a few feet away from you were drowning didn't even realize it wow. so they showed to me look at how also this person mistreated us it was all with the purpose of showing me contrast even the purpose of this woman mistreating mistreating us had that purpose itself that challenge to take that layer off right so they said to me, look, at, look when that happened when there is not connection. When there is not connection, they will let you drown. There would be war. There will be separation. Exactly. There will be division. Mm. Very profound. Let's talk a bit about these beings of light that have been with you since your experience when you had your near death. Um, you talk about them quite a bit in your book and for good reason. Um, we talked about before we got on this talk, this call, how <laughs> after reading this book, um, I'm just saying, oh my God, there is your next book that needs to be a collection of all these teachings that the beings of light have given you one by one, because they are many, they are profound in their simplicity and they're poignant and timely, especially for, for all time, but especially right now and especially right now and where I feel we're going. And one, uh, let, let's talk first about these beings of light and who are they? 
How do they work with you now in your life? Um, anything you'd like to share? Yes, they actually work with all of us all the time. We just have to open ourselves. <laughs> so glad you said that. Yes, they're always, everything is present for all of us always. Each one of us is, is that light. We just have to remember and rediscover who we are. And that happened, of course, for me, my near-death experience. You know, this is, this is amazing because I always say, I, when I, I'm giving my talks, my presentations, I always say like, oh, my near-death experience opened for me the path. It's like, and I said, it's like for me, that door never closed because after that, I kept having out-of-body experiences and started to connect with beings of light, all that. And not long ago, the beings of light said to me, of course, the door never closed because there is no door. <laughs> right. <laughs> we are the ones that due to conditioning, due to beliefs, due to all the ancestral stuff, all these we create blockages we put the doors but the light of the sun is always shining for us the light of god is always present the beams of light the 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 light of consciousness is here always shining for all of us we just need to learn to open that door to open that window and let it shine through do you think we come down to experience the sort of unlocking of these doors as a curriculum? Or do you think we are born with the door wide open and then we close it based on, as you say, society, or is it both? I think that, um, I think it's both because all depends. I mean, like in my case, I'm meant to remember faster, which means I already have been working for a long time to have that awareness. Yeah. To open the door to the realization of who I am, the true aspect, the true nature of self. Yeah. Then as we have, because like I said to people, our, our experience now, like I said it at the beginning, this is just a parenthesis. Ingrid is just a parenthesis in the eternity of who I am. And I realized that through time and, and with my near-death experience was the knowing that I am eternal. Yeah, I am eternal. And then at 17, I started to have access to my past life experiences. At four, I started to have access to visions of the future. So it was the knowing, like what I we perceive as horizontal in time. Right. Just projection and per per perception and ways in which we could uncover more of the roots of who we are. So it's both, yeah. So at the beginning when we we're little, oh yeah, we, we are in the purity of not knowing. And it's like, to me, it's like going back to be a child, but an aware child. Right. The purity of who we are, but with the knowing of who we are. Mm. So yeah, and, and, and in my case, like I mentioned, I, I meant to remember faster and that's how my life was guided from there. So I, I started to have access to the knowledge since I was very little. I came back with, I would I just say I came back. Later on, later on, I also know that we don't go anywhere. Home is not a place, it's a state of being. But at the moment, I didn't have that clarity. 
And, and I had this sense that I had come back from somewhere and I wanted to go back there. Mm. And talk so about I that? Travel. Yeah, I was troubled when I was little and I didn't want to be here. And I didn't want, and I, when I looked at myself, when I came back from my near-death experience, I was, had the knowing this is not who I am. I'm not this child. See? So at that moment, I already had the awareness I'm not this child. And I looked at my parents and I said, they're just my biological parents, but I didn't see them as, I didn't have the same level of attachment, nothing. I, I had, I went back to experience the sense of oneness, the sense of wholeness, again, emptiness, spaciousness, presence. To me, I felt them as my equal. Mm. And then, I will look at other children and you don't imagine how hard it was to relate For because sure. I would just look at them and say, what is happening to these people? Right. They don't know anything. <laughs> it was really difficult. I'm like, what is going on? And I started to also have abilities really quick that uh, just develop really fast. And, Imagine I was just turning three and not, not long after my ND, I could read, I could write, I could resolve mathematical problems, I could put together complex puzzles. Even, even as a human being, they call it as how is this possible that you could have the abstract mind developed yet? That doesn't happen until the child is like seven or something like that, five, seven, eight. I already had it. And it's because... I will look at things and, and, and have the sense, I'm not learning anything, I'm just remembering. Mm. So it's a continuation, even for me sometimes to talk about my life as Ingrid and that being born and dying, is, to me it's just words because I know my eternity. So I don't have the sense of being born or dying, <laughs> I just have the sense of continuity. Do you have a fear of death? Even with all this experience, do you have any fear as still in your humanness that you'll go too soon or that you won't complete your work here? Or is it completely obliterated and dissolved? Completely gone. And you know, we, we might think how she knows, how she knows, and I know. Because we, we might not talk about it maybe later because it's a long, long story, but I had the possibility to prove, validate that this fear of death is gone. There was a time when I was almost raped and murdered and I surrendered. Right. The moment I completely surrendered, the moment this was about to happen, that my friend is about to be killed, I'm about to be raped and I enter in the state of oneness and the state of silence and peace. And at that moment I surrendered. So I said, when I surrender to death, I leave. Mm. And I said, today is a good day to die. And I had a second near that experience. It was in an accident in a motorbike. And I found myself standing in the middle of the road and feeling, ah, oh, I'm ready. Wow. And again, another time I almost <laughs> got caught by some waves and almost drowned too. And it was the sense when I was taken out of these waves, 
and I was being like one wave, another wave and being tossed and turned. And when I came out of the water and I stood at the edge of the water, I'm like, it was the realization that the, throughout the whole experience, there was not even a little bitty fear. Mm. Nothing. And it was the, the sense that in that opportunities when I, I call it opportunity because of the challenges when I had the complete feeling I'm ready to serve. Because it was not just the fear of I'm fear, free from the fear of death, but the sense that it don't matter the wave. Right. I can, I can serve. I can serve. It was the sense I'm ready to serve. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's how I uh, the validation have come to me that this fear of death was completely dissolved, removed, and that's have oh, giving me the possibility to live my life with so much freedom. I was going to ask you that having fear because most people have fear of death, right? The ninety nine point nine percent of the population has fear of death. Even with, even I've had, I haven't had a near death experience, but um, I mean, I, I I have fear that I won't, uh, I will go before I get certain things done that I would like to have completed, right? You know, with with my experiences, it's clear. Like when the near, the first near there, the second near there, I've been close to die a few times. When you read my book, you realize I have got typhoid fever. Almost right. raped and murdered, almost this, almost that. I'm still here. So I know I'm not going to leave until my work is completed. <laughs> There's no doubt of that. That's, that's a great point. It's like, how much evidence do you need? It's like, you've gotten so close to death so many times, yet it's like, when it's the right time, it's the right time, period. So don't worry about it. Let it go. Yes. yes. And that was the first since I received Diane, it was, I was five years old when the beings of life said to me, let yourself rest in the caring hands of the divine. Mm. But guess what? I was resistant because that's the nature of <laughs> human beings. We resist. And that resistance creates sufferings and creates challenges. But that's what was needed too. Right. So I keep peeling the layers of conditioning the layers of what we're still thinking we are, because even even through our whole process, our the eternity of Ingrid, of course, I come with many things. It's not because I came to this life, which answered also part of the question you made before, because I came into this new life, I am clean from all my layering. No, every life is an opportunity to purify ourselves more and more and more and more. So, and, and the, having these human experiences is actually a gift because like in my near death and, and in all these experiences is what is suffering the contrast that we need to be able to see where we are at, what we need to correct, That's right. what we need to just keep um, all the blockages that we need to remove so we can shine the light. You know, one day I was talking to someone about frequency. High frequency, frequency. <laughs> low frequency, this frequency, that frequency. And I just ask the beings of light, talk to me about this. And it's when they said to me, and I, I always, uh, when I receive most of these teachings, I, I receive teachings any time of the day, but 
especially three in the morning when the mind is calm. I wake up with the answers of some of these profound questions and they said to me, there is only one true frequency, God's frequency, source frequency, however we want to call it, consciousness frequency. The difference is how layer you are mm. to connect or disconnect. So for as an analogy, they showed to me a bulb, like that lamp back there. So there's a bulb and it's always on because you are the light of awareness. You're always shining that light. So they said to me, just think about that light and what you don't to that lamp, you put a cover on it yeah. that diminish that light. And every concept, every label, every conditioning, every belief is like adding more and more and more covers to that lamp until what happened if there's so many covers. Right. And not see that light anymore. And that's what is low frequency. You're disconnected. And the moment you start removing these covers, these layers, oh, then now you are becoming whole. You are becoming connected. Now you can shine your light. So with that very simple analogy, it brought me to see, wow, look at the work we have to do. Take, remove all these blockages and we're just, that's what is called the state of oneness. Mm -hmm. In complete connection with wholeness. Yeah, it makes me think of the, just the definition of healing, where healing is really, there's nothing to get in the process of healing. For healing is not an event. It is by the very process of healing. We are not getting anything, but we are releasing. We are letting go. We are dissolving all the blockages that we place up against ourselves and our and the divine. Let's just say it for what it is. Yes. You know, as you're talking about the shade, I'm getting this image of as we pierce through that veil of all that stuff, all that covering. Well, what happens? We're putting holes in these shades till the shade becomes none. It's just holes. And then they, it becomes light. We become, we become light looking at light. You know that, that, that you're saying is absolutely beautiful because that's another analogy the beings of light said, showed to me. They show me a basket, mm -hmm. you know, those baskets that are made like a rattan or something that has holes. Right. They said to me, the more you dissolve the blockages, that's how you become. So you are this basket, you're holding a name, you're holding a career, you're holding a label, you're holding. But the more, the more you empty your basket, now you can shine your light through. Yes. They show it to me like, like those holes that you're mentioning, then your light is shining through. So even though you're still having a container, which I call a temple, is shining the light through until it becomes a temple with no walls. Right. It makes me think, not to be a host with cheesy analogies, but it makes me think of stained glass like you would see in a cathedral. And there's a wonderful, um, I think she's a poet. I'm not sure who wrote it, and I'm going to butcher the quote, but it's dr drumming up this, this 
far off in the distance quote that it's like stained glass has all these cracks in it. And it's analogous to our wounds, to our suffering, to our traumas, to our curriculums, to our pain, to our karma, right? To our some scars. Mm-hmm. But yet the light still shines through and it, and it creates what happens when light shines through stained glass? You get all the colors, the whole entire prism of the rainbow of God's grace. Mm-hmm. And so we need, and maybe this is a nice segue into what the beings of light said to you about challenges. And to your point, contrast is that all these things that we go through, all these challenges, all these quote unquote traumas or hurricanes the light is always present and the light and and it's it's part of literally the beauty of life that we are that stained glass yes it's absolutely beautiful i love it and yes it's always present you know talking about that the being so light said to me oneness starts within yourself there was a day that i asked the beings of light how can i know to unravel and understand the mysteries of the universe. I, ju- I asked for nothing, huh? <laughs> right. So I'm asking, <laughs> I am asking this question. And then again, one night I went to sleep. I woke up at three in the morning and it's when the beings of light. And I met this being of light, Diane, that I never saw before. And it was a being of light that had eyes everywhere and it had lights out and it had eyes lights eyes outside and within i don't know how to describe this because like these eyes all over like hundreds of eyes thousands eyes. Of eyes? and it was shining all colors wow and although it sounds like a ooh, that sounds scary it was the most magnificent being I have encountered. It was absolutely beautiful. Although in like the mind will think it as that's scary. Right. It was like, wow. Because this, this being could see it all. And at this moment, this being talked to me and he said, you are already the universe. So to know and unravel the mysteries of the universe, know thyself mm-hmm. and he repeated this to me like for the next seven days non-stop and it's when i started the work of going even deeper to the place of know thyself and later on it, it came this analogy once you talk about the stained glass and the cracks and i and i um it was it, incredible because they show me you know those japanese there's a japanese base that they grab the they wrap it in a cloth and they break it in million like many many pieces and then then after that they grab all the pieces and join all the base together with gold Uh yes and it becomes the most expensive base. Yes. Expensive thing that actually is in, in art. Then this is when they show to me, look at all these challenges. The, the base need to be broken in pieces for it to become the greatest jewel. 
Stunning. Oh, I love that. So it's, it's just amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I would love, you should get a sketch artist to sketch that being. That would be cool. <laughs> that would be I amazing. see that, Ingrid. <laughs> this being was incredible. And you know, later, um, someone, I, I got the chance to talk to someone and, and they were mentioning that some beings like that have been mentioned in, actually in the Bible and they are called Zoe. The so, being that, that is standing at, next to God and can see everything. I don't know, but some people brought that those uh, comments to me about beings like that, and I was like, I don't know, but that was perfection. <laughs> that wow. was absolutely beautiful. But another thing, I, we we never. I don't know. You want to go back to the part of how I got to know the beings of light. Yeah, let's go back to that. I need them. Yeah, because we never touched that point. But again, it happened when I was after the near that experience, I, I was that little and I um started to have out-of-body experiences. And in these during these experiences, I was going back to that realm of the light that I I experienced when when I, I died and it was one day I was completely surrounded by star-like figures. And I was like, whoa, this is so cool. So imagine, since this was happening uh, when I went to sleep and I was having these out-of-body experiences, now I all I wanted to do was sleep. And then <laughs> it was like, of course, I couldn't be the child that was always sleeping. <laughs> but in, in one of these um, experiences is when I, uh, I had, again, another out-of-body experience. And it's when I met a being of light that was shining in absolute pure gold. Mm. And this being shaped itself into a human form. And it approached me and it touched me in the head. And it's when I said... <gasps> You are a being of light. So he wanted, he wanted to show me I am like you. And because I also had experienced myself as a being of light, I knew, I knew the essence of this being. I knew. <gasps> so now I am in, oh, that day I just woke up. But again, now my sense of wanting to sleep was like, let me be sleeping forever. But now, yeah, like I'm mentioning balance had to happen. So one day I'm taking a shower. And by this, I, I'm already like around four years old and I'm taking this shower when I'm just relaxed and just having a good time in the shower when a blue light shone intensely in the bathroom. And I'm like, wow, now the beings of light are here. Mm. And because coming back from my near-death experience was so hard for me in the sense I could not belong i didn't have the sense of, of belonging to this reality I, I couldn't connect so i stopped eating i was very angry i didn't want to talk to anybody diana reached upon that i did not want to even be touched and when i started to see the beings of light here the sense of healing started to happen mm sense of like oh it, it felt so love it felt like if they are here so later in life is when i understood that home was not a place was a state of being if 
they're here and I feel this good, then I guess this is okay. Being, being in this body is okay. So I started to talk to my sisters more, uh, to my parents, all that, but I was still having this sense of, I could not relate with my name. I could not relate with the persona I was. And then it's when uh, one day they were calling me for dinner. Ingrid, Ingrid, Ingrid. And I'm like, oh, don't call me like that. That's not my name. And then the lady came and she's like, Ingrid, we're calling you for dinner. And I said, stop calling me like that. That's not my name. And she said, then what is your name? How should I call you? And I said, I do not need one. Mm. And up to that point, I... um my sense of what we call the clairs yes. had awakened in me. So I could perceive, I could sense, I could see, I could smell. There was a presence when there was many beings of light, the, the, the smell of flowers was like incredible. So I could perceive all these, but now this was the first time I could hear. Mm. And it's when the beings of light said to me, it's going to take time for them to understand that names are not needed in the realm of the light. Mm. And that was amazing because it gave me that absolute sense of relief because they said, as you already know. Mm -hmm. It was, oh, I am not crazy. I understand now why I don't need a name. Mm. And then, oh, that, at, at that moment is when, um, and they also said to me, all the things that are happening to you, and all the things that will happen are not for you to keep. Someday you will be able to share them mm. when the moment is right. Because now they don't understand. So they say, it's, you can talk to us, but if you talk about us to others, they'll be confused. They will not understand. But even at that age, Diane, I was four years old. They said, someday everybody will be able to see us and you will be able to talk about us. And this one they have shown me that, that in the, even in the book, the stands where they gave me with numbers in 20 years, it will happen or in these many years, it will happen or they were just showing this to me. And then they were right because every, anytime I tried to mention anything about them, nobody understood or they treat you like a little child. You're making stories, whatever. They don't believe it. But it's when my mom actually was the first one that started to realize that what I was seeing was real. Because on top of that, I was born in the bloodline that allowed this <laughs> to be validated because... When I started to go to kindergarten, since I could not talk about them because I realized no one understands, I was drawing. I had to express myself somehow. So I'm drawing beings of light everywhere. And the other thing that I didn't know that I could do was to see auras. I mean, I thought it was normal. I thought everybody did. I didn't know it was just special to, to me at that moment. And then I'm painting auras everywhere. And I'm like painting beings all like everywhere. So the teacher came and she's so curious. She's like, Ingrid, are these the sun and the stars? She thought like this girl really liked the, <laughs> our universe out there. And I'm like, no, no, no. These are my friends, the beings of light. Oh, 
at a school, they already thought that I was strange <laughs> because I, I was very quiet. Like I said to you, I will look for the spaces to be in silence. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to talk. I wanted to be alone. I wanted to be in, incredibly, I brought it from my past lives. I wanted to be in the state of meditation, contemplation, silence. Then they already thought that I was strange. So they called my, my mom came to school. And then when my mom saw the drawings, she's like, "Mm." and they were discussing these. And there's a moment I turned and I said to my mom, mom, I wanted someone to believe me so badly. Mom, these are the colors that we wear. And these are my friends, the beings of light. And it's when my mom turned and looked at me with these big eyes like, silence because my mom was a teacher and she didn't want me to be in trouble and she's like oh no 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 nothing is happening and she looked at the teacher and said we will get over these no no problem we're leaving (laughs) oh my god no that was the day when we were on our way home we were in a bus when my mom finally i was feeling so sad when my mom said to me i believe you i said what and she said, I believe you because I also see things that others cannot see. And I was like, wow, that was imagine this feeling like someone is finally <laughs> on my side. Thank you, for sure. Um, yeah. When did the beings of light say to you that people would be able to see them collectively in the world? Oh, I, when, when I saw it, it's like, um, it was at that moment when they were showing me my future as like the age I have, uh, the age I am around now, be like, oh, you're kidding me. That's like, I'm old <laughs> because I would see these and I'm like, wow. But they were at, at that time, it was early seventies. They were showing me in 40, 50, 30 years, like from the time I was little child, this is going to start opening to others. Mm-hmm. And, and that's happening right now. I'm sure. Yes. Look how many uh, people are having near-death experiences, coming out and talking about it. Doctors are coming out and talking about it and saying, you know, we're not the the. Finally, we're going back to the the ancient teachings where we're saying that consciousness is not in the brain, right? Is not in the body, right? No. It's outside the body yeah. consciousness. Right? Yes, yes. Imagine. Oh no, you mentioned that. I, I this this experience I had one day. I. I Again, in me waking up in the middle of the night, I, I just woke up and I'm like, wow, I'm just was sleeping when I woke up and I just immediately sat in the bed because it was the sense of like, wow. although I have had the near that experiences and everything, but every experience is unique and amazing. This time I, 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 I was propelled to my body sat in the bed, but it was the realization that I was so, 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 so big. Mm. But I could not fit in the bedroom. And I heard the words grandioso. I was ginormous. I'm like, wow. The knowing my body is just, just part of the whole ocean. Just mm. that manifestation of the divine, mm. which is needed to realize the whole divinity. 
You're not the drop, you are the ocean. Exactly. There was another incredible experience I had. Diane, one day I, I was sleeping again and I'm like, wow, just deep asleep. And I heard a bell. Cling, 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 cling. And I woke up. And I'm like, what? Where did this bell? Where did this bell came from? And just inquiring about the bell when cling, <laughs> cling, 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 cling. I woke up again. And I'm like, how? How can I wake up if I was awake? What is going on? What is happening? Gling, 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 gling. I wake up again. What? But I, I just woke up and woke up and woke up. What is happening? And I experienced, so I was experiencing the depthness of who we are. I experienced like about seven dimensions of reality. Wow. I'm glad and, you're mentioning that. Go ahead. Tell me. And every it. time I, I will wake up, from these, I would experience, and, and I compare these again, like with the ocean. Imagine that I woke up in the depthness of the ocean. So I put this analogy because when I woke up at the depthness of who I am, there was not even absolute of perception at that moment of conception that something called Ingrid existed. Mm. You know, like the depthness of the ocean is not feeling the presence of the wave, which at the end, everything is working together, but the depthness is in a stillness. It's not perceiving it. So I did not perceive the existence of the wave. There was no Ingrid. And as I started to wake up, wake up, wake up, it was only about the fifth time that I started to have the idea, the sense that there was something called physical reality, that there was something called Ingrid. And it wasn't until like the seventh time that I find, like the seventh time of the bell is when I woke up here, here in this physical reality. And I'm like, even trying to say, is there's more? Because I was like, uh, and I looked at my husband, he was in the bed and I'm like, there was no bell. There was nothing of that, but he's like, wow. You was absolutely experiencing that. And that's when I realized we are multidimensional beings living at many, many depths, many, wow, just dimensions of, of reality. And it's when I could see, wow, the, the question, like when you start realizing these are not my thoughts, but who is thinking that and who is even thinking that and who's asking these questions. So you go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, realizing, wow, who's actually observing, who is the observer and what is the object that is being observed. Right. So that, that's just incredible. Well, <clears throat> You're talking about a really fascinating um, teaching of yoga, Purusha and Prakriti, these aspects of creation. And the beings of light taught you something really powerful about um, really what you're talking about, how we perceive not just the self, but creation itself. And could you talk a little bit about that experience you had just sitting in that room and recognizing the difference between the furniture and what's 
holding the furniture in the room, if you will, if I even have to use that limited uh, definition. There's yes. the room, right? The holder of the space, but then there's the space and, and you can talk um, much. Yes, yes. Better. I'm glad you brought it up because that was another teaching is, and is related with what we're just talking when they said, where is your sense of identity? Depending where your sense of identity is, is when you know that you are the creator or you are the object of that is being observed. So they said to me, what is this something in this room? They show me a room like this, whatever room. Tell me something in this room that never, ever, ever changes. And at that moment, I had the, the clarity, of course, the space in the room, the space in the room, the space in the room is omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient, is always there, the eternal subject. Mm -hmm. And then they said, so now think about the furniture. You can bring it in, bring it out, kick it, break it, put new, make it look beautiful, fill it to the top. That's what is impermanent. That's what the things, that's why they're suffering because when we identify ourselves with the furniture and not the space, so we feel finite, we feel limited. We uh, feel that we are the story. And then we, it's when we just become puppets of our outer reality. But when you start putting your sense of identity in the space, now you become the creator. So powerful. And it takes me to the next thing that they, um, another teaching that they told you about as it relates to manifestation, which I would love to touch upon because I don't know anybody that doesn't want to be a better manifester. <laughs> and um, and I'm obsessed with just the power of the unlimited mind and how the beings of light gave you very specific teachings about, um, about the mind, about going into the unlimited mind and how the limited mind stops us, blocks us. And, and I should also add, because we're both... Um, yogis here and people listening to this may be familiar with the teachings of um, the yoga sutras. It brings up that very, very fundamental teaching that every yogi knows in the yoga sutras, chitta vritta norodaha, beyond the mind stuff, right? If we slow yes. down the cessations of the mind, if we get to the still mind, that is the doorway to the ultimate reality. And the beings of light were really teaching you and showing you how we move into this place or state of being, as you would say, of the unlimited mind. So could you talk a bit about that and how we can manifest and access the unlimited mind? And that's just um, about cultivating calmness, inner calmness. The more we start calming our mind. That's why since I was very little, I knew the moment I had my near-death experience, 
And I discovered myself as silence, the silence behind the silence. I was that silence. It was that sense of like, I am absolute presence. Mm. I am so going back to that place. And that's where in the beginning, so like one, one of the teachings that they show me to get there to that place of silence, because they use very simple analysis and uh, analogies. Like we've been talking one day I woke up and they, and they show me a lake and it was completely peaceful. That state of complete calmness. And then I am observing this and then a being of light grab a pebble and it tossed the pebble in the water. What is the perception of the limited mind that the rock is going to create a ripple? Because that's the expectation of the mind, isn't it? Right. Guess what this rock did? It did not create a ripple. Mm. It did not create a disturbance in the water. And this one, they said, this is where you have to be. That's the eternal subject. That's that place of you have become the space in the room. So when you reach the point that the external things cannot disturb you, you're already liberated. Yes. And they said, this is where you have to, to be. And then they said, why do you think that the human body is made of 70% of water? Everything has a reason. They said, nothing in the universe lacks purpose. And they said, learn to keep your inner water calm. Mm. So nowadays, no matter where I am, I am in the line, I am in the traffic, I'm like, whatever is about to disturb Ingrid, keep your inner water calm. And water is the greatest conductor of frequency. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. So the moment in which you start, as we're talking about the, the, the Yoga Sutra, is knowing the moment you start recognizing, oh, I am not the furniture. Right. Is when <laughs> now you become the creator. It's now when you can go to that place of manifesting things. But also, we have to be very careful because in, at any moment, things can look too shiny and we can fall again into trap. Right, more distraction. Get distracted, exactly. The beings of light showed me a kaleidoscope and it was the shiny, beautiful light of Purusha. <laughs> We're talking, wow, the supreme being, but he's able to create, look at this, it's a kaleidoscope. And what happened with, with us, we get trapped in the beautiful forms that it produces. So the work and the challenge is go back and realize I am not the projection, I am the light then that's when all the challenges, all these things happen, all because all that is, is bringing us back 
to to center to 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 the realization of of who we are. It's just um, and it's so easy to become distracted. So they even said, "Be careful, because even these things that we call superpowers, yeah. even these things that we call like, oh look, I can read minds, I can, I have all the possible uh, because I have had experiences as you read the book, I, I disappear." Mm-hmm. In, in a scene when I was being robbed, I, I saved from, from situations that, that were incredibly risky, all kind of stuff. I, having all these, um, how we, we call it, like some yeah. people would call it superhuman abilities. Yeah. Or, yes. It, uh, what is, is in the Hindu scriptures called cities. Right. So when, when we fall into that could be a trap too. Right. So my prayer every day, Diane, every day is God, give me simple. Yeah. God, give me humble. I am the vehicle. This human experience, what I'm doing here is, is the sense of service, the, the, the gift for the sake of giving. That's right. God, right. give me, oh, just, just keep me clear. Help me because I cannot see. Help me see because I cannot see. Help me hear because I cannot hear. So it's when I know that that this temple is the vehicle. But I had to have just that clear view of not getting trapped <laughs> mm-hmm. in the outer reality. And it's so easy to get trapped. Oh, gosh, if it's so easy. That's right. I'd love to end, and I could talk to you forever, Um, But I'd love to end for our listeners and for those that will be eventually watching this on YouTube or elsewhere, would you like to give our listeners a brief meditation or practice so that they can come into this experience of clarity? Some people listening are going to be really seasoned meditators, and some people listening are going to go, I don't even know what that means to come into that state of clarity. I don't even know what clarity is. I can't even find my feet. (laughs) So something that you'd like to bring, and I've never done this before, but I just feel, you know, you could do such a wonderful service um, sharing your simplicity, the profundity and the simplicity of bringing this depth of clarity or peace of mind to people listening. Thank you for giving me that, this opportunity. And you know, I, I talking about simplicity, I, I, I have learned this um, method of meditation that is actually very simple. Because like you said, it can be applied for, for, to anyone. So of course, like you said, someone that is a seasoned meditator knows that what we call meditation is not really even meditation, it's concentration. <laughs> so we have to go to all the stages until go into the depthness of, of who we are. But there has to be a place of connection somewhere, a place where we can actually learn to center and go back to alignment when we're disaligned. And I like to teach these very simple meditations in which um, we meditate like the wind. We meditate like the sky. We meditate like uh, the birds. So or with the rain, and and 
This type of meditation is called meditation for daily stress. Just very simple that you can be sitting in your office and in three minutes, uh, you feel better. Mm. So the meditation we, we can do now is uh, meditating like the sky. To go back to all the teachings of the, the conversation we, we've been having today and it's just the sense of like, wow, in reality, we are the sky. We are that spaciousness, that presence, that openness. But guess what? The sky just gets clouded with all the stress, with all the conditioning, with the daily things, with oh, all the things we feel as problems. So what we're going to do is that I'm going to snap my, I am going to snap my fingers three times. And when we breathe in, we just breathe all these clouds in and we just pass them through our heart where they're going to get like clean, like, oh, just completely transformed into love and spaciousness. And when we breathe out, you just get, we get all that out. So let's snap the fingers three times. We're sitting down in a comfortable position. Nothing to do. Nowhere to go. Just here. And our life and our mind and our emotions are all feeling heavy. The sky has become Feel with clouds, the stress, the things that we like, that dislike, the daily things in life. So let's breathe together deep in. Hold it, hold it, hold it. And as we breathe out, all the stresses come out. Let's do it again. Let's breathe in. Hold it, hold it. Just like that, we feel better. We feel that the heaviness is gone. We feel peaceful. Let's do it one more time. Let's breathe in. Hold it. Hold it. And just like that, we are at peace. When we meditate like the sky, 
we become the sky. Space, presence, calmness, goodness, greatness, gratitude. When I snap my fingers three times, we open our eyes slowly. That was delicious. <laughs> I'm so grateful I was able to share. And, and before we end, I, now that we talk about gratitude, I want to share one last teaching. Please. Tonight that just came during this meditation. And if anything else, the beings of life said, bring to yourself the sense of gratitude. The being so light said to me, Ingrid, you don't imagine how grateful every human being would be if they realize that for you to exist, trillions and trillions and trillions of subatomic particles have to be in agreement. Mm. Again, the word that we mentioned at the beginning, in connection. They said to me, you, Diane, you, Ingrid, every listener here, you are a divine intention. Yes. So imagine nowadays when I see this pen and I'm like, wow, this is this for me to use it? This is divine. This glass of water, wow, this is divine. So when I drink this water, I'm drinking in the state of absolute gratitude. Mm. I love that. And when, yes. And when we bring this gratitude, our vibrational frequency elevates because that's the highest vibration there is. Yes. And to add to that, I love that you brought that up. Just by pure existence, it is a miracle. We are the miracle. Yes. And yet, as the beings of light said to you, there really are no miracles, yet you are a miracle. And by your pure just beingness, your pure existence, you are living life on purpose. Yes. yes. How many people go, oh, I'm not living my purpose. And when you pull the lens way back and you slow everything down and you become the sky, just like that wonderful, sweet experience we just did and everything we've talked about and we get truly connected, we recognize that we're already living on purpose and thus the gratitude sits just yeah. in the pure existence of existing. And that's absolutely precious and perfect because the being so light said to me, Ingrid, purpose. To be at purpose, what is purpose and what is mission? Purpose is to shine 
No, purpose is to be the light. Your purpose, that's it. Be the light. And your mission is to shine it. Amen. You must come back for part two and three. <laughs> your honor. <laughs> Ingrid Hankala, such a gift to have you. Your divine energy, your feminine divine energy, your nothingness and your everythingness, mm-hmm. your namelessness, your mm-hmm. at oneness. I am grateful to have you and to have had you here today. And um, it's such a pleasure to converse with you and play with you and just be with you. So thank you. And thank you for coming on this planet this time around. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We're, we're all shining. We're shining our light. We, we, oh gosh, I just, I, I'm the one that feels so blessed and honored to be here with you. We're all connected, all connected in the light. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. If you like what you're hearing here, check out more by subscribing on your favorite platform or go to spiritualgeekout.com.